0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Double View Wrestling Podcast, a weekly podcast where we are rewatching AEW from the very start. But we're doing something different this week. Rather than going on to Dynamite Episode 7, as we were scheduled to do, we're jumping way ahead to Full Gear 2022, which literally just aired yesterday at the time of recording. Um, We're not going to do introductions to who, who everyone is, we're going to kind of pretend that we've caught all the way up and everyone is au okay with who's wrestling and what the angles are and everything like that. If you are watching the Rewatch podcast or listening to the podcast and you only want to kind of hear the Rewatch and don't want to skip ahead three years, you might want to pass on this episode. Um, it's an experiment. We're just going to do something different. Regular Double View podcast will resume next week. Uh, but who are we? I am the retired UK Brit wrestler, formerly known as Triggerman, now known as Sid. With me, as always, is superstar Pete Andrews.
1: I'm here, and I may have watched more wrestling than I possibly could this weekend. It's, it's been a heavy weekend of wrestling for me.
0: Be glad that I didn't make you watch Dynamite Week 7 as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would have exploded.
0: So what else have you been watching other than Full Gear and uh, Dynamite, Rampage, etc.?
1: Well, yeah, I had I had all of AEW to catch up on because normally I'd watch Dynamite on Thursday, and I I didn't. Um, I was over at my nan's house helping her set a new TV up, so I didn't get a chance to watch it Thursday night. And, yeah, I only watched that yesterday, so I caught up on that. There's been a bit of New Japan stuff I wanted to catch up on. Um, yeah, all the AEW stuff. So yeah, it's been a wrestling heavy weekend for me. But that's not always a bad thing, is it? I can think of worse ways to spend a weekend.
0: Yeah, to be fair, it's, it depends on the show, doesn't it?
1: Well, true. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. does
0: depend on the show. So we are at Full Gear 2022. But before we get into that, Pete. Hello. What is your favourite wrestling gear malfunction?
1: There was one um, where Shawn Michaels dangly bits on his entrance gear, got stuck in like the the pyro grate and when he was doing his pose and he tried to get up and he couldn't because he was like stuck in for a minute that was fun
0: now when you say dangly bits you don't mean his penis it,
1: yes his penis yeah
0: right okay brilliant but but he was... still got on with the match
1: he is, that's why he's the best ever.
0: That's why he's a professional, Sean <laughs> yeah. Michaels. Or as we decided last week, his WCW name, what was it we came up with?
1: Oh, I can't remember now. Fancy fancy Boy Michael Hinkenbottom.
0: Fancy Pants Michael fancy Hinkenbottom. Fancy Pants, that was I it. I think you yeah, We got there. to cool. <laughs> struggle it to over the line. It's <laughs> a long intro, this. It is. My favourite wrestling gear malfunction is, of course... Shockmaster's helmet coming off. Yeah, although classic. I don't think we can blame the helmet for that.
1: No, no, um, it was the the bit of wood that appeared below his feet that wasn't there during rehearsals.
0: But of course, Edge and Christian did give Shockmaster the chance to redo his intro. Yeah, not fall over years later on their show. What was that little show called? That was good fun.
1: I think it was cleverly titled the Edge and Christian Show.
0: Well, he could forget that. <laughs> So, from the Edging Christian show, from Shockmaster Falling Art over into 2022. Last week, of course, we did Full Gear 2019. We are the Temporal Warriors today. We have jumped ahead three years to Full Gear 2022. Where are we? When are we?
1: So, yeah, as you said, it was last night, which for those listening was the 19th of November 2022. We are in Newark, New Jersey, in the US of A, in the Prudential Center.
0: Common house there for. Uh, AEW, they've been there a few times now. Mm. New Jersey, so that's MJF's house, isn't it?
1: Well, it certainly is, yeah. Um, and they do play up on that, uh, whenever MJF is in town, they like to get that hometown pop for him.
0: So we've got a stacked card for everyone tonight. We have got 10 matches on the main show. Whew. Uh, but if that wasn't enough for you, there's three other matches on the pre-show.
1: Yeah, so we, we get the hour and I think it was hour and a quarter pre-show. But yeah, three matches and uh, three pretty. Big matches as well, really. And um, did you watch it? Did you do the pre-show?
0: I couldn't. i I'd watched so much wrestling this week, like yourself.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, but it, it was decent. It's worth going back to. Um, all three matches were were definitely worth a watch. Um, but, yeah, we opened up with the 10-man tag team match. It was the Factory, uh, Aaron Solo, Cole Carter, Lee Johnson, Nick comerato and the leader of the faction, QT, Marshall, Uh against the best friends, Orange Cassidy, Rocky Romero, uh, and uh, a mystery, very nice, very evil partner, uh, which turned out to be Danhausen. Um, so, yeah, if you've been keeping up uh, with the regular AW shows, you'd have seen QT Marshall give uh, Danhausen a uh, pile driver on the steel steps the other week. Um, this caused Danhausen to appear partway through this match, not as the happy-go-lucky Danhausen we all know and love, but the the dark, twisted side of Danhausen who came in like a house on fire, did some very, very cool German suplex variations, uh, poured a load of teeth in Nick Camarato's mouth, and kicked him in the face with teeth yeah. flying everywhere. Yep, stabbed Q T Marshall in the head with a spike. All the stuff you don't expect Danhausen to do, he certainly did in this match. But yeah, the best friends. Dan Housen and O.C. And Rocky Murray got the win. Fun match. Really, really good match that. Worth worth watching. Um, that was followed up by uh, part of the Eliminator Tournament, a semi-final match between Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. Uh, good to see Brian Cage back. Uh, he's been used a hell of a lot more than he has been uh, in recent weeks. Uh, Ricky Starks beat Brian Cage in that two. Team Taz alum uh, in that one. Another good match. And uh, the main event of the evening, which was the match, I was very, very excited to see. Eddie Kingston uh, defeated Yun Akiyama, uh, one of his heroes, an absolute legend of uh, Japanese wrestling from All Japan, Noah. He, he, I think he was All Japan, went to Noah for about a decade, then came back to All Japan, and now is a part sure of DDT. Um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic to see Yon Akiyama. Eddie Kingston, very emotional at the end of that match. I think it was a... A dream come true for him to wrestle that match. So yeah, very very cool to see and nice. Eddie Kings have got a nice moment on the pre-show.
0: Brilliant! Did your stat nav just go off?
1: I think it was. I think it was Siri. Now I've said Siri, she's going to start yakking again. Shut up, Siri!
0: Brilliant. I won't allow in my house. Um Go on. then. what was the what was the final pre-show matchup?
1: So yeah, that was Eddie Kingston uh, versus. Hang
0: on, I I said come... so, have, I, have I skipped one in my brain? There was three. The Best Friends one.
1: Yeah, Ricky Starks versus Brian Cage.
0: I think I blanked you talking about that completely. (laughs) (laughs) My brain just skipped over Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. Okay, all right. So the interesting thing about that, of course, is uh, that Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, they've kind of been building up and building up on... Mm. Dynamo Weekly TV and Rampage for a while and then just kind of put that in the pre-show. It is a bit odd.
1: Yeah, I think it's maybe they wanted a reason for people to watch the pre-show and it's like it's an important match. It's part of a tournament we're doing. Maybe that will get people to tune into the, the pre-show. Maybe some people wanted to see that match who wouldn't necessarily have stumped up the money for the pay-per-view. Um, and they might have gone. Oh, actually, no, I'm watching it now. I might as well. Pay some, pay some money. I doubt that's the case. I think if you're watching a AW pre-show, you're pretty much set that you're going to be watching the full card. But yeah, it was it was a, an important match uh, and a good one as well.
0: Interesting. So 13 matches, as I said, on the card overall. Mm-hmm. Just for perspective, Royal Rumble 2000, one of my favourite pay-per-view shows, six.
1: Yeah, you got to remember one of those matches was an hour, or hour and a bit, I guess, for the Rumble. But yeah still a much shorter card
0: and he did also record a sunday night heat on the same evening separate to that so it would have been it would have been a bit closer to nine yeah uh, but yeah okay so is is 13 matches too many don't answer that pete we'll do that at the, <laughs> at the end of the show
1: okay
0: so i'd like to start off talking about this show by pointing out how much i dislike draft kings. i would like to see gambling adverts in general disappear from not just wrestling but from television. Mm, yes, yeah. So no, no need for them. But at least Daddy Magic made it to the pay-per-view. So
1: Exactly. Oh, it was funny you mentioned that actually because obviously we've not got to a point where 2.0 apart are part of the roster yet. And um I reckon you like those guys quite a lot, but I was going to ask you what your thoughts on 2.0 are.
0: Uh I there's something in Daddy Magic. Yeah, um, he's great. But I kind of feel that you need to get him away from the JAS because there's just a bit <laughs> too much else going on. But yeah, he is, you're right, he is my kind of stupid nerdy heel.
1: Yeah, he, he's, he's very like Nasty Boys era villain, isn't he? Um, he's over yeah. the top. He's he, I, Yeah, but he has just got that, that magic about him. No pun intended. All pun intended. Yeah, I, yeah I like massive
0: him. round face, knows how to <laughs> stare. Yeah. Very good. So, let's do the first match of the evening, which is Luchasaurus versus... Is it Jungle Boy? Is it Jack Perry? Is it a combination of the two names?
1: Yeah, it's Jungle Boy Jack Perry now. He's using his real name to be more legit, I guess.
0: This has been a very confused feud, hasn't it? We've had a lot of swerve, double swerve. Mm. Like We've already had the blow-off match where the bad guy won. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just kind of felt like... Twice now they've kind of ended this and then gone. No, no, we got we got a bit more. We got a bit more.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure it was planned to go in a different way, and then obviously Christian got injured, which caused a bit of an issue. So I, I I'm guessing they had different plans for it, and they've sort of scrambled to find a new plan, which hasn't quite worked. Because like you say, it's been it, it, in theory it's finished, but then they did the steel cage match to finish it. Again,
0: yeah, it, it does. It is an odd, it's a good opening match because okay, mm. right, there's a cage. You imagine you're in the arena, and you're sat there waiting, and they start assembling a cage before the show starts. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, going to yeah. get the audience pumped up. That's it's definitely a good way to start a show, but at the same time, like I kind of felt that this feud was done. But let's, mm. let's go into it with open eyes, let's uh, let's hope we get a good match out of it because they are. I, I actually quite rate Luchasaurus, I like that mm. kind of big unstoppable, clunky heel. I mean, I know he's about five or six inches shorter than he would have been 20 years ago. But (laughs) by today's standards, he is your big bad.
1: Especially in a company like AEW, which does have a lot of smaller guys in it as well. So he has that that presence to him.
0: Yeah. And even though we kind of feel like the story... Like it had been told by now. The crowd Mm -hmm. certainly know the full story leading up to this. So, you know, there's no confusion as to who these two are and why they're having a cage match. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, though, it is an AEW rules cage match, which means submission or pinfall only.
1: That's it. Yeah. No climbing out.
0: No climbing over the top. No, No crawling out the door. I think I'd prefer over the top and crawling out
1: the door just because it does make it. Different, it's it's one of those funny things because, like, escaping is very much how the heel would want to win. You wouldn't necessarily be a face, especially in a, b- a blood feud like this. Jack Perry has got the guy he wants to beat up more than everyone else in a cage, he's not then going to go, Right, I've got to get out. Um, so I can see why it, it, they did the pinfall submission rules in this match. It, it kind of worked for the story of Jack Perry getting Luchasaurus where he wanted him and the chance to. To right the wrongs, I guess.
0: Definitely, And it's not like Luchasaurus would be trying for the cowardly escape. No. He no. reckons he can beat this guy quite easily. Because he mm-hmm. has already. <laughs> yeah. Straight and clean. One-on-one. Not too much interference. But there you go. You've got a bleeder in this match. Pretty pretty early into the match. we got a bleeder. Jack Perry.
1: Yeah, right from the get-go.
0: Pretty much. Um, Hardway bust? Or do you think there was a bit of a blade job there?
1: I think that was played for. Um, it... it. Definitely added that air of drama to the match, didn't it, and made Jack Perry look even more sympathetic, if that was possible, because he's a very good at playing the underdog babyface. But yeah, that that sort of crimson mask added an extra layer for sure.
0: There was a great iconic image. Uh, we haven't had that many iconic images in wrestling over the recent years, partly because it takes you know time for that to happen. But the image of Jungle Boy thrown between the apron and the cage and he just he's looking out at the crowd covered in blood and he looks really like not there
1: yeah definitely um, that
0: that is one of those iconic images that yes. like, I can see that still being around in 15 20 years
1: yeah definitely
0: so i mean if you've got an iconic image that early in a pay-per-view that's not a bad start. That's
1: <laughs> very true, yeah.
0: One criticism of the match is there was no Christian mic work, which is always a shame because Christian is probably the best talker in the whole company. Yeah, the guy of
1: yeah definitely. I mean, he had that moment where he nicked the keys. That was very good Christian stuff. Uh, it looked like a piece of trash doing it and like very sneaky. That made me laugh. I enjoyed that.
0: And of course, every match leading into this and every promo leading into this has had plenty of Christian Mm-hmm. <laughs> we haven't been sure of Christian in this feud. Uh, there was a lovely desperation armbar on um, on Luchasaurus that Jungle Boy managed to lock on on the turnbuckle, and he kind of dropped between the uh, the, the ropes of the cage. That was good. I would have I would have been all right with that being on a bit longer and really making it look like he's doing damage and there's no rope break and there's nothing Luchasaurus can do. Yeah. To me, that could have been like the shift in this match from Luchasaurus dominating to Jungle Boy getting that comeback, but yeah, decent match overall. I thought um it is always weird in a cage match because I am a WWE Mark, born and bred. Where within the first ten minutes they're out of the cage and then they're back mm-hmm. in the cage. That's that's always gonna get used, to, uh, take some getting used to. And of course, by leaving the ring and getting back in, it meant all the way through the match there are chairs and a table waiting.
1: Yes, definitely, yeah. um it it took a little while for him to get out the cage, which I was happy for. Um, I mean, with Christian at ringside, as I said earlier, we saw him nick the key from the referee. It was a good way of doing it, rather than someone being thrown through the door or climbing out or something like that. It was it was something a bit different for them to to get out with with Christian nicking the key. I, I like that.
0: There was a good rally at one point where uh, Jungle Boy's really making the comeback, and he manages to get a pile driver on um, Luke Shore. So it's a yes. good clean pile driver centre of the ring. But at the same time, there's a fresh table that hasn't even been set up yet yeah. on the apron. And it's just like, well, that it, it can't be the end. It could be the end. The crowd yeah, yeah, was quite yeah. hot for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know that as long as Chekhov's table's just there, there's got, <laughs> yeah. be, um, there's, there's got to be something else to come. And, of course, there was. Now, cage matches, that's something we never did just because we, we didn't ever have the money to set mm-hmm. up a cage in our company. Yeah, uh, If you were going to do a move, from the top of the cage to an opponent on a table would you do a splash or an elbow drop
1: it'd have to be a splash wouldn't it because the elbow drop you want to land flat and you can't do that when you're doing it to someone on a table so yeah it needs to be some variation of a splash to make it look tidy i would say
0: but that is not what Jungle Boy did here. No, um, he did it, not. Good bit of momentum. Definitely had the crowd on his side. Uh, he goes all the way up to the top of the cage, jumps off with an elbow drop, which means that his his entire body weight landed across his ribs mm. on the table. Um, yeah. And if you look when he's leaving the ring after the match, he has got a huge solid line welt along yes. his ribs. yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think he'll
1: wrestle next week. <laughs> no, I think he might have a week off for sure. Yeah, he, he was uh, pretty banged up after this one. But um, yeah, good to see him get the win. Hopefully that kind of puts this to bed for the time being. I, you know, You've got to assume that there's going to be a Jungle Boy Christian match when Christian is good to do so. Um, don't know when that might be. Um, but yeah, hopefully they can sort of segue into something else in the meantime for, for Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus.
0: That might be why they've dragged this feud out as long as they have, just trying yeah. to see if Christian will be recovered in time. Mm. Like at one point in the match I was expecting Christian to rip off his um cast and get involved, but no, he's not there yet. He's not there yet.
1: I mean one of the one of the commentators even sort of mentioned, oh, how long is he go- is is he gonna be wearing that sling for? So they even sort of hinted that, oh maybe it's longer than he should have, sort of the the Owen Hart cast on the on the arm situation where he wore it for way longer than he needed to, Bob Orton type thing. But yeah, not to be.
0: Uh, so Jungle Boy wins this match with the submission move, the snare trap after the top rope, elbow drop. Solid win. Let's put this one to bed. We don't need any more of this. You can dust often bring it back when there's Christian involved, as you said. But as they need to move on with this feud, we need to move on to the second match of the evening, which is... Death Triangle versus the Elite.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a big second match. Um, obviously we've had a lot of um video packages about the Elite uh, in recent weeks, but yeah, on Dynamite this week they announced, oh, they're not only they they're coming back, they're they're going to be at the Pay Per View taking on. Death Triangle. Um, would I have probably kept that a surprise, Death Triangle versus Mystery Opponents? I might have gone that route with it, but I get why at the same time they would announce it. It's a good way to maybe get a few more buys for the for the pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, don't kayfabe yourself, even if it's just for a surprise. That's always <laughs> yeah. good advice. Uh, there's some great moments in the package here as well. Obviously, the package itself was quite heavily focused on the return of the Elite, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of foreshadowing the weeks leading up to this that the Elite might be using kansas and carry on your wayward son yeah really well foreshadowed and i'm not quite sure how they foreshadowed it so well yeah yeah. it wasn't really anything that was discussed on tv
1: no no.
0: like the second it came upon the the old titan drum carry Mm -hmm. on i was like oh they're definitely gonna come out to kansas yeah just have to remark whenever you hear carry on wayward son by kansas the south park quote i can actually play a lot of these songs by randy (laughs) marsh if you know the episode you know the episode Pack, though, not to be overshadowed by a big package. I beg your pardon? Yeah, you (laughs) were. But Pack, he couldn't give a piss. No. Now, I think that's been workshopped. Couldn't give a shit. Couldn't give a fuck. They are definitely British sayings. (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't give a piss. I don't think I've ever heard that as a saying, but I quite liked it.
1: First time it's ever been said by anyone was uh, that time when Pack said it.
0: (laughs) Hashtag brand new sentence. <laughs> um, I really like Death Triangle's entrance as well. Obviously, this spotlight should be on the return of the elite here. But Death Triangle's entrance, where you get the free spotlight showing them in time to the music. Yes. Really strong entrance. Maybe it's a little Powerpuff, Powerpuff Girls doing it the way they do it with the music <laughs> and the spotlights. But yeah, don't call them the Powerpuff Girls. Um,
1: no, you'll get I'm hit sure with they a wouldn't
0: appreciate that. So, Pete, hey, you've got to like this match. You've got Penta. Phoenix pack against the Elite.
1: Yeah, I was very happy that this match was uh, happening at this show. Um, it was the one I was probably most excited about seeing once they announced it. Um, good to see the Elite back and, you know, I, I know it may not be everyone's opinion of it but, you know, there's been a lot of talk about what happened between them and CM Punk and, you know, who should go, who should stay, should anyone stay. But, you Seeing Elite come out and seeing them work so well in that this match, is like, if you're going to have to keep one section of that issue, then I'm, I'm glad it was the Elite.
0: At the end of the day, no matter what you think, it's not called all-punk wrestling. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> um, there were a couple of excellent moments from the crowd of that. Obviously, there was a fuck CM Punk chant yeah. that the commentators couldn't really comment on, but we can. <laughs> yeah. um, and that segged into a cult Cabana Uh, charm, which was, again, they didn't comment on it and it was quickly gone. But the bit that I think a lot of people will miss was during the entry of music, when they had Kansas on, there's a line in the song, there'll be peace when you are gone.
1: Right, of course, yeah.
0: Look at Nick Jackson's face (laughs) when that line's playing. He's basically pointing and kind of going, listen, listen. So that, (laughs) that was the subtlest dig towards punk on the whole show. Um, but I quite enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, that's good. Give us a run through of the match. So, yeah, it was it was good to see. And I think Kenny Omega, it, that couple of months off, he's had obviously he came back and then he was gone again very quickly. This extra couple of months, I think, it's done him the world of good because he, he looked better. He looked like in his normal shape. Um, and he didn't put a foot wrong in this one. He just looked like the Kenny Omega you want to see. Um, the stuff between him and Pac is always good. Um, and they just worked again brilliantly with each other. I like how they kind of paired people off with each other. It was like Pack versus Kenny. It was uh, Phoenix versus Nick and Penta versus Matt for like different portions of the match. They sort of that each guy got their nemesis in this match, and I liked how they did that. Um, some amazing reversals from Pack early on. He sort of did a, a kip up. Halfway through a move that Kenny was giving him, and it's just like it's just it's next level. It's like, how do you think about doing these things, let alone doing them? Um, and it was just great, everyone was on it. There are a few moments between Nick and Phoenix where I think you know they were they stumbled a bit, but they soon recovered. It's like that they'd forgotten a bit of what the sequence they were doing was, but they soon recover, and you, you soon forget it when they're doing all their bonkers things they do but yeah i loved it i had a great great time with this match
0: i knew you'd enjoy this one uh for me bucks and lucha brothers were a bit harlem globetrotters as i've Mm -hmm. discussed in the past yeah kenny and mac all day long man i can do kenny and pack all day long um There were some great moments in this as well. Pac proper connects with Kenny's knee, Mm. which it wasn't a good time to do it either because Kenny was carrying someone already. That's a lot of weight going through the knee. And that proper connected. Uh, But it was followed up by Nick Jackson properly connecting with Pac's face. Yes. Um, So second match of the evening, second one with (laughs) colour. Yeah, And that was definitely a hard way. Yeah,
1: this this wasn't played for in this one.
0: It won't be the last one you'll see tonight no, either. No, 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 no. The way I look at this one, um, this was, for me, this was Star Wars Episode 7. It's a greatest hits match. Mm-hmm. It's Now that's what I call wrestling, volume elite. Welcome back.
1: That's all I can yes. say. We'll jump forward a little bit to the show as well, because it gets announced later on that this is the first of a best of seven series between these teams. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how these guys can mix it up, keep it fresh, do seven matches, and you know, not get people burnt out on it. I'm, I'm very intrigued by it.
0: Yeah, that is going to be that is going to be a big challenge, I think, because very often in a kind of Lucha Brothers elite match, twenty minutes you start to hit burnout. Mm-hmm. So seven matches across across like it's not even seven weeks is it? It, it they've staggered it out across the next few big shows as well it's going to be interesting to see how they do it definitely um there was a there was a triple tombstone spot in the match which was yes. very silly but very fun <laughs> lots of spots like that we've it's weird because when we obviously normally we're discussing matches happening in 2019 mm. and like any any of the spots in this match could have been from uh any match we've watched in 2019, really. Yeah, in yeah. three years, none of the guys have really slowed down or like missed a step.
1: No, no.
0: They're all bringing it to the same level. Going into the finish, we get a black arrow from Pack textbook, as always. I don't think I've ever seen him mess it up. Straight into the brutalizer. It really looks like Kenny is going to tap because he's trying to get to the ropes. He can't. Um, but when he gets broken up uh, by one of the, the bucks coming in, the
1: yes, yeah, I, yeah, I think they they bit on that, um, and I think as as much as people love the Bucks, they didn't want Death Triangle to just be like we've we've held held onto your belts for the time you have been gone. Here they are, they're back on you now. Um, I think people think a bit more of Death Triangle than being just like a transitional team uh, with those titles. So I, I can see why they maybe thought you know oh well if if he's getting out of that that means the Elite are winning and it's a bit of a Fuck you to death triangle. But yeah, not to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because obviously uh, it wasn't an interim championship because the elite no. was suspended. Yeah. It was a full championship. But if they just dropped it on the first night back, yeah, it, as you say, it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, that's one thing. AEW has been really good with, with all their interim and like belt exchanges. And it's been a lot of them in the last few months because there's been a lot of drama and a lot of injuries. But they are quite good at making sure that the placeholder doesn't seem like just placeholder and it's it's certainly worked out well for moxley hasn't it um
1: well exactly yeah for
0: the finish of this match we had some good storytelling with ray phoenix yep. obviously throughout the last few weeks pack has been favoring the hammer uh the ring bell hammer and he's been pretty convinced his teammates use it in the match phoenix is you know doesn't feel he needs it to get the match done he's been refusing the hammer early in the match he's offered the hammer and refuses it um but right at the end of the match he's in a very desperate situation and kenny's got him on the ropes he calms the hammer and he's up for the one winged angel and if obviously if kenny hits that the match is over um phoenix he has no choice he doesn't want to he has to use the hammer uses hammer and then gets the pin over kenny luke jabros well death triangle get the win
1: yeah pack has never looked happier has he <laughs> yeah, no, he it's just it's
0: great storytelling on that yeah. one really really good storytelling and quite unique as well um because obviously there's there's sort of a similar event later in the show which we'll yes. get to yeah and they go the other way and mm-hmm. it's just it's really nice that you can do long form storytelling remind everyone about it in the match and pay it off As well as they did in this match.
1: They didn't do the thing where, oh, someone's used a weapon and now they're heel then and like they suddenly start acting like an arsehole. Like Phoenix, you could tell he's like, I shouldn't have done it, I'm really disappointed in myself and then you've got Pat going, I'm so proud of you, I'm so proud of you. But like Phoenix hasn't necessarily gone heel by doing that. He's he, he knows what he did was wrong. Um, so yeah I think we'll see this play out during the next sort of six matches between them.
0: Yeah definitely because Phoenix has always sort of been the nicer one in on the team. Penta's yes. definitely more aggressive, mm-hmm. acts just a bastard. Um but there is there is room for this feud to grow as you say. In six matches what might the weapon escalate into could be anything.
1: Exactly. Yeah what's what's the Triple
0: H's hammer with a nuclear bomb on the end. <laughs> yeah. Just you just don't know. So two really strong outs there definitely got the crowd into it. Does slow the pace down a bit here. Nyla Rose versus Jade for the TBS Championship. My thoughts before the match were like, this is potentially really going to expose Jade.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I like Jade, I like her gimmick. And she has a very, very narrow parameter she could work in well it's not unusual wrestling's always had this uh we've had guys on our card that you booked very specifically goldberg was one of the most over guys of all time but he had to be booked very specifically jade cargill is one of those and her whole thing is she can come in overpower everyone get the win in six or seven minutes yeah putting her against nyla rose is a bit tricky
1: Yes. What were your thoughts on the match? Um, yeah, I mean, I had the same sort of thoughts as you going into this. I was like, I, I like both people. I'm I'm a big Nyla Rose fan. And, you know, Jade, she's still finding herself, but she's still so new uh, to the wrestling business. Um, and she's a star. You, you look at her and she's a star. She just needs to, to get her ring work up to a level and that will come. She's getting better every time. But, yeah, this isn't probably the best match for her because Nyla and Jada are very similar that they're both sort of power wrestlers um and it was a tough one um I mean it went seven minutes 59 seconds so almost eight minutes um but it felt a bit longer um I, I just yeah. don't think it's a great pairing uh, for either one but you know the presentation of it was cool Nyla and Vicky coming out in Eddie's car um Jay dressed as Chitara from Thundercats it's all very the presentation was great for it uh that that certainly helped um but yeah not the best match either ladies have and they'll have better um but you know they've been building this story this, this story itself leading into this match has been fun i mean nyla rose has finally been allowed to show a bit of her comedic chops that she's got um she's not really had that chance before um but she's been sort of showing a bit more of a charisma leading into this which i think can only be a good thing um but yeah, hopefully this is this is done now. Um, both ladies can move on to something else. But yeah, not not the greatest match on the card by any means.
0: No, I mean I think I think definitely the build has been better than the match itself. The Chitara outfit was probably my favourite moment of the whole match. Yeah. Um but but you know what, that's that's pay-per-views. WrestleMania always has one card where you'll remember the presentation around the match yeah, yeah, yeah. more yep. than you do the match. Um and they'll, they'll usually be like an eight-minute match as well. So yes, the, yeah. it was the right length. Um, things to look out for in the match. Possibly the worst pull into steel steps I've ever seen. <laughs> so like that old thing where you, you grab onto their, their, their tights and pull them into the steel yeah. steps outside. Oh, it just looks so clumsy. Nyla pulls Jade and Jade just kind of crap falls into them really <laughs> pathetically. <laughs> Seeing Nyla Rose do a roll-through reversal is a bit odd. Um, yeah, Jim Ross called it Bowling Shoe Ugly, which probably is, is a bit unfair. Uh, but Jade hits jaded for the win. It was the right length. It was the right finish. And we don't have to watch it again. Yes. But I'm just going to add one more thing onto the Jade discussion. We say like she's, she's got a good package. She's definitely got a great presentation. And she will get better. The problem is, in order to get better, you need to be out there every night working matches. Yeah, yeah. And Because she is booked in, as we said, narrow parameters. She's never really gonna get a chance to wrestle a match and true, pick stuff true. up and learn. And their schedule in, in AEW is is so far away from like the Workman wrestling days of the eighties or even WWE. I don't know how she is gonna improve, but
1: I hope she does. Yeah, I mean a lot of AEW guys will still work indies sort of when they can. Um Jade obviously doesn't need to, um, money wise or anything like that. But, you know, it probably wouldn't hurt her to maybe go out and do a few Indies here and there, like go with some of the other girls from the company to some of the Indies they're working and just be around it a bit more, I guess.
0: I mean, I think she's probably a stepping stone wrestler and I wouldn't be surprised within two years if we lose Jade completely to film and TV. Yeah, true. But that might be more in a wheelhouse and having someone who does that, who you can say is AW born and bred, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's yeah, not bad true. for company, is
1: it? Yeah, exactly.
0: Right, so we've talked about Confused booking in AEW before. Now we're on to the fourth match of the night, mm-hmm. which is Claudio versus Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara versus Jericho in a four-way match for the Ring of Honor Championship. Yes. It's an odd one, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah. Um. Yeah, four people. Um. But yeah, we've got Sort of team members on both sides. So, Chris Jericho and Sammy, obviously part of the Jericho Appreciation Society, and Danielson and Claudio, part of the Blackpool Combat Club. So, yeah, it's got this sort of, it's almost a tag team match, but not because you can fight each other if you so wish, uh, which, you know, eventually it all breaks down into that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny, funny setup for a match. You don't really often get sort of tag teams as such against each other, but together at the same time. It's a, A funny dynamic in this one.
0: It felt quite ECW to me, like kind of Mm. 99, Steve Carino, Tajiri, Super Crazy, um, Nunzio, Nunzio, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Guido. It kind of felt like that, but obviously with more stakes, because it is the Ring of Honor Championship. Yeah. Sammy Tavera coming out wearing a new ring attire we've not seen him wear before, and he's got the letters SG. Yeah, quite big writing over his nipples. Not the best <laughs> outfit I've ever seen.
1: No, it looked it looked rough. Yeah, it did look like it wasn't finished. What do you think the SG stood for? Well, it's hard to know, isn't it? Um, so it could be Spanish God, of course. Um, obviously, his name, Sammy Rivera. It could be Super Goku because he had like uh, Dragon Ball esque entrance video. Now, so, you know, there's options. Well,
0: it could be. It could just be stupid git.
1: Oh, yeah, it's probably that. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I, I
0: thought that's what it was. Um, so it's an interesting one for the match. But once it gets going, you you get the kind of normal spots, as you expect from the Jericho, Appreciate Society versus the other team of the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, but then you get the moment where Claudio and Brian Danielson, they kind of shake hands midway through the match. Yeah. And then they don't release and yes. they look at each other. And they look at the crowd, mm-hmm. and they look back at each other, and you know it's coming. Yeah, It's the whole thing of the Blackpool Combat Club is we love to fight, and I like that they can have a scrap and a tussle,
1: uh-huh.
0: and it doesn't affect their partnership, doesn't yeah, affect yeah. their team.
1: It's expected. It's, it's
0: brilliant. I love yeah. stuff like that. It's kind yeah. of like Steiner Brothers, like just those yeah. old, old school guys. They just want to fight. Yes, you know it'll break down, but they'll be fine out the back once again. Yeah, exactly. Going. Yeah, uh, of course. The same can't be said mm-hmm. of Jericho and Sammy.
1: Yes, that was great as well. Like, I don't think people expected it, um, especially to the extent we got it. Um, you know, normally you might get if you've got sort of two heel team members in a, a multi-man match like this, one of them might lay down for the other and then kick out rather than actually taking the pin. But no, they just, you know, Sammy was like, "No, nah, sod it, I'm going to go for it." I'm gonna I'm gonna this, I, I could win a world title here. And it shows the importance of a world title, doesn't it? That you know, even partners, even you know, Sammy who looks up to Jericho, Jericho's given Sammy everything in AEW, he's like, now nah, this is this is my chance to be a world champion. I'm gonna while I've got a chance, we're gonna go for it. it. Yeah, it was cool. I liked it.
0: Yeah, I mean, right back to the start of Dynamite three years ago, the very first episode was when Sammy was brought in and they formed the inner circle at the end of that show. So it's it's long form storytelling. Um, I kind of feel that Jericho versus Sammy, that needed to lead to something. I would like to see that actually sort of implode and Sammy to kind of go a different route, get him yeah. out of JS, JAS. Because obviously the JAS is fresh for Jericho, yeah. except Sammy and Jake Hagar. Yes, that's right. But they're yeah. the two holdovers. And I kind of feel like it's probably Sammy's time to go. And I think had he not married Ty Conti and kind of had the crowd turn against him, he was on... With with a good face run, I think he wouldn't have joined if it hadn't been for that. Um, so I'd like I'd like to see more come out of this match because, as it is, the way the match ends, which I'll get to in a minute, if it doesn't lead to something bigger, it just kind of feels like a TV match rather than a pay-per-view match.
1: Yeah, true. Very true.
0: Well, there's a lot of hypotheticals on what-ifs in this match. There's a point in the match where Claudio and Brian Danielson have got the sharp shooter and the Lavelle. lock. Locked in on Jericho, sent him a ring. Um, there's nothing he can do. Had Sammy not come in and broken it up, who wins if he taps? What a great question. Yeah,
1: there was there was a couple of moments like that in this match. And it, 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 the commentators point out, it's like, yeah, what what happens at that point? You know, yes, the guys tap, so in theory the match is over. But are they both ring of one a world champion? Obviously, we've had it t- times in the past where... Uh, wrestlers share a championship like China and Jericho back in WWE were both the intercontinental champion. Uh, it wasn't like they both had a belt. They both had the same belt and it's like, it's, it's never great. <laughs> that sort of angle. So yeah, I, I don't know what would happen in a situation like that, but yeah. Interesting. It's, it's, it's a cool visual um, with the, the double submission on one guy, but yeah. Where does it lead? If the guy were to tap It's yeah, it's an odd one.
0: So it's not that this was a bad match, but it's just the 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 more interesting paths weren't taken. Yeah. And I think having them two as champions, even if it's only for like three weeks up to the next Ring of Honor Championship, that would be the most solid lead into the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view in December that you could have. Having these two on TV and somehow every match they have, they still come out both champions. Like maybe they're both get counted out because they're scrapping in a triple threat match, but that means they're still both champion because the belt won't change hands. Just do that for a few weeks. You know, having the Blackpool Comic Club not looking like it's going to implode, but they just, they keep getting in each other's way, and then you have the big blow-off at Ring of Honor pay-per-view to form a big Ring of Honor stars. Uh, I think that could be a really solid way to do a show, and it would have, of course, freed up Jericho to get into a feud with Sammy, but that isn't the way they go. We do get a bit more Claudio and Brian fighting each other for the matches out, which is great. I will take all of that. Yeah. And then Claudio has got the big swing in and he's throwing poor Sammy around the ring. And we get the leaping Judas effect from Jericho. Mm-hmm. That breaks up that move. Yeah. It's not the cleanest hit ever, so he goes for it again. Hits yeah. it clean. And he gets it in over Claudio.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think... Chris Jericho, I don't think he's dropping that Ring of Honor world title until Ring of Honor have a, a TV show announced and going. I think it's very much like the start of AW. Look, we've got Chris Jericho; he's our main guy. He's known, you know, he's been everywhere. He's he's got a bit of crossover appeal. Um, please, you know, give us a TV deal. Look at look at the the talent we've got on top, and I think that's why Chris Jericho's the Ring of Honor world t- world champion for the time being. I think. Once Ring of Honor is established as a brand on its own again, that's when that belt will go elsewhere.
0: No, I think you're totally right. I think the only question that isn't answered there is, do you need Ring of Honor to be a brand again? Yeah, very is true. Is it done? Yeah, is it no, done? that's true. And I kind of, I, I feel if you set up Ring of Honor again with weekly TV, I don't think it's more competition for the WWE. I think it's just more competition for AEW, and they'll just start eating into their own market.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah, because it's going to be the same fan base watching both. It's, it's not like yeah. you're going to bring Ring of Honor fans back. Ring of Honor fans are probably already watching AEW. I've
0: got a four-word answer to the problem as well. It's really easy. Go on. Ring of Honor Rampage. Yeah. That's it.
1: You, you've yeah, got it TV. Mm-hmm.
0: It's just, it's on Friday night and it's it's Ring of Honor. Yeah. It mostly is anyway. I don't know if they've got. <laughs> yeah, noticed, true. But yeah. <laughs> if you look back the last like the last six months, it has been quite heavily. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. So let's move on then to quite an anticipated match. Hasn't had a long build. Mm. Uh, it's only really been two weeks worth of promos, but they've been two of the biggest promo moments in AEW recent history. Yep. We have Soraya she's Mm -hmm. turned a new page against Britt baker
1: yeah um big match um obviously saray has been out an injury for five years she was officially retired um she'd had sort of neck troubles in the past which she had come back from and then had a very sort of brief comeback and then was properly properly shelved and retired um and then she just sort of was employed by WWE for the longest time doing absolutely nothing, and they released her just earlier this year, and obviously Tony Khan wasted absolutely no time in getting her, Um and now, yeah, she's completely cleared and made her comeback at full gear.
0: Now, is she completely cleared, or have AEW got more lenient doctors, or is it purely third option that the AEW schedule is so much more forgiving than the WWE schedule that it's easier to get cleared
1: it's it's hard to know isn't it um obviously there's been a number of wrestlers that have had career ending injuries that they've retired from Brian Danielson the same edge the same and eventually they both came back and you know I'm guessing Soraya saw that and went, well, if those two guys who have had, very, especially Edge, basically exactly the same issues that she's had, can come back, and, you know, not work a full-time schedule, but work a limited schedule, but still work how you worked before, big matches, big bumps. If they can do it, maybe I can do it. And, yeah, she's back.
0: I think it is a bit more difficult for a lot of women's wrestlers who've got neck injuries as well, because hmm. it is a lot harder to build up strong trapezius muscles if you're if you're a lady and sure. still kind of remain a feminine icon. I mean, Rhea Ripley gets away with it, but she's Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. The story of this match, though, it was a very one-note match, and it was, is the injured neck going to be okay? Yeah. And I just, I would hate that to be the story of every page match because, like, you could have done that with Kurt Angle.
1: Yeah. I mean, they did it a bit with Shawn Michaels when he came back um, after his sort of three, four years off a lot of his early matches were, like, focusing on the back. Um, and, it, you know, it, it ran the risk of going, well, I don't want this to be every Shawn Michaels back. He can he can sell anything and sell a match without everything having to be his back. And eventually they sort of moved on from it. But, yeah, so hopefully that isn't the, the way they go with Soraya's matches.
0: I always thought that was the difference between Shawn Michaels and the Heartbreak Kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was very surprised, very pleased, that we did actually get the Heartbreak Kid back. Because for a while there, it was Shawn Michaels wrestling in jeans. The story was, is the back and hold up? And then before you kind of knew it, they had that big match against Triple H, which we thought was going to be the only one for a while. Yeah, yeah. But then before you know it, he was back to normal. It was the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, <laughs> in mm-hmm. full attire, just as good as he'd ever been, hadn't missed a step. Yeah. Probably had some of the bigger matches.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say I could be. he was better. Uh, in his comeback than he was before. He was he was obviously more grounded in his own mind, so he wasn't trying to kill himself, and he could he was a bit more reserved in what he did for the better.
0: Yeah, I think he probably had his best two matches during the second run. And mm. I, I'd love to think that Soraya can do the same thing in AEW. I really do. But at the same time, I've been watching Soraya Page since... That documentary where she first got signed, fighting for the right. family. I've I've seen a lot of her WWE stuff over the years. Obviously, I'm not hardcore um, WWE
2: mm-hmm.
0: peeps, but I have seen Paige wrestle quite a lot because she's quite cute. But <laughs> I realised in this match, I couldn't tell you what a single move, or finishing move, or signature move for Paige is or was. She's a funny one,
1: is Paige. I have no idea. I've no yeah. idea. Um, I mean, she came into WWE at a time where it was still the divas' division. It was all about sort of the Barbie doll looks, the not really wrestling uh, the same style as the guys, Brian pantis matches, all that sort of stuff. And she was definitely one of the the big names that changed it. She didn't fit the mold looks wise. She did wrestle. She she'd been wrestling since she was a kid, um, and she stood out because of that at that time. But I think since then, a lot of women have come into the business and they've surpassed her um, in ring-wise. Um, I'm not saying she's a bad wrestler, but she's not the best either. Um, and I think there's been a lot of women that have come in, the Sasha Banks's, the Britt Baker's, uh, Jamie Hayter's, Tony Storm's, that that are just next-level good Um and she's got a bit of work to do, I think. If and Obviously, a five-year layoff, you're not going to come back and be brilliant straight away. Um, but I think she's got a lot of work to do to for people to think of her in the same league as them in ring. And I think she can do it. I, I've got no doubt about that. But, yeah, she's she's in a different place now. And, and sort of the women's wrestling is a different place to what it was five years ago when she retired. So, yeah, I think she's got some work to do. And hopefully she can she can get there.
0: Rick Baker did a fantastic job, though. Putting mm-hmm. her over um, while still being a safe pair of hands. Yeah. Saraya hit. Is her finishing move called the Nightcap? I, they, they called a few different
1: moves and I didn't quite catch her names. That used to be the Page Turner, I believe. Right. Um, yeah. And that is her they're, finisher. Yeah. They're not using. She's used a couple of different finishes in her past. That sort of the, the twisting one where she sort of rolls her opponent through. That was the Page Turner. She's got. This submission, which she, she almost put on this match where she sort of puts on a reverse sharpshoot but then lifts her opponent up. Um, I can't remember what that was called, but yeah, she almost did that. And then she's got that sort of DDT where she hooks him up. Um, but yeah, they they seem to have changed all the names of their moves from when they, she used him in WWE. So yeah, I'm I'm still not 100% sure what her finish is. I'm guessing it's going to be that DDT that she used to, to finish this one.
0: They got the match safely into the books. And Soraya can now say she's had a return match, and we'll see where they go from there. It was an odd one because the crowd was so pumped up for this on the two promos, yeah, and like people couldn't wait to see Paige return. But then when the match actually happened, mm-hmm. the crowd were a bit eh, and there were a few yeah. att- attempts to get chance going, and they just couldn't. And Britt Baker can usually hold a match together brilliantly well, but just on this one, the crowd just were they were more there for the moments of the presentation. Like yeah. it's almost the WWE thing, isn't it? Of yes. like you know, you, you, you sit through the matches to get to the entrances.
1: Yeah, I think I think it went a bit long. It it was just over thirteen minutes. Um and I get that AW like to give people a bit more time than you especially on a pay per view, but I think this could have been a few minutes short and it might have helped things a bit. No, I
0: think you're right there. Um it's it's also it's not the dream match I want from Britt Baker. If you talk about the dream match with Britt Baker and a women's champion from WWE it's Charlotte, isn't
1: it? Yeah, you know the likes of Charlotte. I'd like to see her again. I'd like to see her against Sasha. Um, yeah, someone like that would would be the the one for sure. Yeah,
0: that's always been the one that I think they could just have a great bitchy feud. Yeah, and you yeah. can basically get the entire women's division involved. Each of them, like they're both two queen bitches, and then obviously I guess the way you'd blow that feud off is you get Jay Cargill mixed up as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, there's a lot you could do with that, but they are just they're very good being the heels and we'll see where it goes from here because obviously the women's championship matches later in the show
1: yes it certainly
0: is and a much better match but yes. before we get to that we have to get to Samoa Joe versus Powerhouse Hobbs versus Wardlow for the TNT championship and before I give my opinion on this I'm going to ask you what did you feel of not just this match talk us through the match but also this this whole feud with powerhouse Hobbs Warjo and then the turn.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, for a few weeks it looked like the build was going to be Wardlow versus Hobbs, and I was I was in for that. I I thought, like, you know, it's a it's a test for Wardlow. It's a, a big guy. Obviously, he's Wardlow is a big guy himself, so it's rare you see someone. Big, as big as him or bigger so it was going to be an interesting change of pace for Wardlow um, and I was up for that match but yeah at the very last minute we had Samoa Joe turn on Wardlow and he got added to the match Um I mean Wardlow and Hobbs they're they're not veterans Hobbs has been going a little bit longer than Wardlow so maybe they did a few run-throughs and it wasn't quite clicking how they wanted so I thought let's add uh, a veteran powerhouse big wrestler to the match to to help it along but the Joe edition did seem to come out of nowhere um I was I was surprised that they did it I thought maybe after this match they might do the Wardlow Joe thing because there were seeds planted it's not like the Samoa Joe turn was 100% out of nowhere it just maybe out of nowhere for the time it happened um sure. but yeah it, it I yeah I, I don't really know why they put Joe in at this stage, but yeah, maybe it was just they wanted that veteran presence in the match to to help it along
0: yeah i mean it's it's the Jade Cargill thing again, isn't it? What people yeah. like seeing Wardlow dominate weekly short mm-hmm. matches, absolute dominate, walk through people, get some of the people lower down on the card, give them a dynamite match, yeah, they don't fare that well. But at least they've got that experience and they, they can put that on their resume. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a really good job, I think, actually building the powerhouse feud. Like, okay, yeah, normally you walk through people, but a pay-per-view, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. And we're going to put you up against another big host, which there's always a risk when you have two big hosses that it can be a train wreck. Mm. Uh, but I think you could kind of do that match, do it quite short, and then kind of have Samoa Joe turn at the end of that match.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then
0: you've got a whole other pay-per-view cycle to build Samoa Joe Wardlow. Hmm. And I just, I don't get why they, I mean, obviously Tony Khan, he knows what plans he's got. He knows what he wants to do with the Ring of Honor TV Championship at the next Ring of Honor show. So maybe there is something more to come here. But it just felt like they kind of did two and a half pay-per-views worth of stuff three weeks leading up to the show. It's a bit odd.
1: It was odd. Um, And even odder was the who won because out of all the people in it, I didn't think it was going to be him, um, and I, I was generally yeah. surprised. Generally, I like I, I'm not often surprised by a finish of a wrestling match, but that one was like, oh wow, did not see that coming in the slightest.
0: Yeah, so Samoa Joe wins the match, mm. uh, so now he has got double gold. It's not a surprise to have Samoa Joe winning a big match because he's no, a big guy. No. Yep. He is maybe a bit long in the tooth for what AEW presents mm-hmm. itself as these days. Yeah. My question is, was this a no DQ match?
1: Triple threats generally are. Um, they they don't generally have rules as such. Um, yeah, like one-on-one matches are always straight down the middle. But yeah, triple threats, four ways, anything like that. Generally, the rules aren't adhered to. Don't know why. That's the thing. You've got three big horses and a lot mm. of them
0: throughout the match, they're doing moves that you probably don't need to do. Stop off the top rope. Sent on splashes, stuff like that. Yeah. And, you, okay, you don't really need, you could have just have three big men running into each other for 10 yeah, minutes, yeah, and that yeah. would keep the crowd quite happily entertained. Uh-huh. But, no, out of nowhere, Joe runs into the belt and twats Wardlow with uh, his own belt, the TNT mm-hmm. belt, I think it was, rather than the yep. Ring of Honor belt.
1: Yeah.
0: And then. So immediately taps out Hobbs, so it makes Hobbs look like shit.
1: Yeah, I mean Hobbs was taken out at that point. He'd had like three or four power bombs, so he, you know Wardlow in theory could have pinned him. And you saw when Joe put the the clutch on, it was basically well it, the ref sort of his face was like, well oh, he's out anyway. I'm ringing the bell. He he was done for yeah, yeah. the power bombs. Um But yeah, it was you know Joe could have really just pinned him without doing the the choke, I guess,
0: I guess the choke was at Wardlow like this is what you've got coming true yeah,
1: um
0: that's the way you tell that story yeah um but there was no attempt at, at, at keeping it hidden or distracting the referee it was just full mm. on yeah, he bites yeah. Him with the belt in front of the referee then yep. blocks the submission on and just very odd just mm. you could have done a lot more with this and it just think back six months ago when Wardlow had this big blow off match with mJf
2: yes yeah
0: think how over wardlow was with the crowd you could just pop him up on the screen and you'd get the biggest evasion
1: yeah it's another another prime example of a guy winning a championship and his buzz fading it's the aw problem they they do this we said about it a lot that when a wrestler yeah. in aw gets a belt tony cars up like, well they've got the belt now that's it don't need to work on him anymore that but like, you know, they're a champion. What more do I need to do? And you still need to, to work on people and help develop them, even if they've got a championship.
0: No, it's a shame. It, I, I wasn't a big fan of this match. Um, so we'll move on. But we'll see. Uh, you know, Joe now is the TNT championship and the Ring of Honor TV championship, right, which I love. Yeah, Because one of them, they have TV, and other one <laughs> doesn't have TV, but they've still got the TV championship belt. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. Okay, so we go from that to a backstage promo of Orange Cassidy and Danhausen Housen. Mm-hmm. Um, promo against Jericho, and they set a couple of matches of Dynamite. No point us really discussing that because we're not doing a follow on to next week's Dynamite, so we'll just move past it. But Jake Hedegar's hat might steal this promo.
1: Yeah, uh, he loves that hat, that purple hat.
0: It's the most charisma he's had in <laughs> 10 years. <laughs>
1: that's it. That was all it took was a hat.
0: Yeah, it's it's like it's it's like Bret Hart, um, Bret Lippen Hart shades. Isn't That's it. it yeah. <laughs> but you know, on a much worse wrestler. Yes. The the seventh match of the evening. My God, if you're not suffering burnout by now, um, <laughs> this is kind of the mid show slump, isn't it? Because mm. like, I've got to say that for me, the last three matches of the night were brilliant. Yeah. This is this is this is a slog to get through. Did you ever think Pete, in? Back in the day when we used to hang out and watch wrestling twenty five years ago. Did you think we would be watching Jeff Jarrett versus Sting in twenty
1: twenty two? No, I think you must be looking at a TNA match from ten years ago. What have you got the wrong notes out? Oh my god. <laughs> awful. So yeah, all right, weird.
0: let's get let's get for it. <laughs> it's a no disqualification match. It is Sting and Darby Allen versus Double J Jeff Jarrett <laughs> and j G Full. JG yep, that's it now. They're all J's. It's the J team, the six J's: <laughs> double J, Jeff, Jarrett, Jeff, JG full. Let's just find the front that.
1: Chatham Jing right. and John John J They're
0: there, the ringside as well. Good to pay attention. <laughs> um, and Javi Allen, he gets his skateboard <laughs> and he jakeboards down the ring. Uh, and I know there was a spot there because the commentator's talking about it, but the camera completely misses it. Yeah. Because the, the camera is focused on J-E-double-F <laughs> <laughs> J-A-double-R <laughs> E-double-T um, That's a callback to our first episode didn't yeah. we, we, we No. Get you... Jeff Jarrett actually showing
1: up What um, a year Sting- Jeff Jarrett's had as well Like, <laughs> he's, he's now signed in AW having big matches against Sting and Derby He was in Ric Flair's last match He was working with WWE as a Sort of producer, and he got into the Hall of Fame, and he's he's even been on WWE pay per views this year. Like, what does he have on people that's like, oh no, we we better use Jeff Jarrett on our pay per views?
0: Is it just because they know that they've got to use him because Vince won't? I don't know.
1: Well, That's the thing. He was he was hired. He was working with WWE, and he left. Jarrett Jarrett left of his own accord. I, you know, he was he was hired to work for them backstage and was even an on-screen character for a bit I didn't know that they brought him back as like what a road agent or a Booker or yes yeah, so he was he was a, he was a producer and he was um helping out with like the live events and stuff like that and yeah again he even appeared on TV he he had a match uh last year he was a guest referee for a tag match between the Usos and I want to say new day maybe not new day earlier this year so like he he was on TV for WWE yeah like I say then he was one of the Flair's opponents in his last match a month or two back, and now he's in, in AEW, so he must have something on everyone in the wrestling, but we need to have Jeff Jarrett with us, so you know, I've got nothing against Jarrett, we used to like him back in his WWE day, but that was a long time ago. It's 2022.
0: I mean, I partly, I guess, part of it is who his dad was. Yeah. Part of it is, he's been around so long, he probably does have dirt on people. <laughs> I never thought we'd see him back in WWE, because he did yeah. hold them to ransom yeah, yeah. that China match, and uh-huh. basically demanded, what was it, like a hundred grand to do mm. the match?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, and then never was seen again. Because <laughs> he was like, well, if you're going to kill my career, you got to pay me. I but see. I like Jeff Jarrett. I've mm-hmm. liked Jeff Jarrett for a long time. I think yeah. he has got, I actually think he's got better every year. Like his earlier stuff in the WWE and his stuff with Brian Adams, Road Dog, was just a bit pissed. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't care. Uh it's just who's this guy. But like when he was he got his hair cut short, um that was a match, obviously, that was a hair versus hair match.
1: X Pac Summerslam ninety
0: eight. Brilliant, there we go. And he he started doing the Slap Nuts gimmick. Mm-hmm. And then he went to WCW, did the old cowboy gimmick with kid rock music. Yeah, like I, I probably liked him more in that era than anything else. TNA, it was what it was. That's fine. We will not even. We could just skip that whole period. Here we are now. It is a TNA match, as you say, because it's Sting, Jeff Jarrett, Jay
1: Lee Paul. <laughs> There's a TNA chant at one point as well.
0: <laughs> there <It really> is. There is. <laughs> oh well. Here we go. Here we go. Um, talk us through the
1: match. <laughs> I mean. For, know, much for, <laughs> for, no, for all we say about Jarrett, I mean, he looked great. He didn't look like an old boy. I mean, a lot of the older wrestlers, they'll cover themselves up in T-shirts and long tights and stuff when they have these matches. But no, he was in his original gear. He looked in shape. Um, I mean, Jarrett's one of those prime examples of, you know, that old wrestler thing. If you can't do a move, you can do a move two minutes in a match, but make sure you can still do that move 20 minutes in. He's a prime yeah. example. A prime example of that. He he's wrestled the same style his entire career, but he can still do it. You know, and it just showed, yeah, maybe it's not the most exciting, but it works. Um, and he can he can still do it now. And he's I mean, he's got to be in his fifties, isn't he? Um, and he he still looks great. He's he doesn't look like he's hobbling around the ring. He's not embarrassing himself. Um, and you know that's great. I I if if an older wrestler is going to wrestle, then. If they can be like Jarrett in this, then I am all for it. Give him a few matches here and there because he, he didn't look embarrassing. He didn't look like he shouldn't be there. Sting's still absolute bonkers. Why he does half the stuff he does these days is just beyond me. But yeah, that dive he did and it you know, it looked like he landed on his head. Um yeah, didn't it? But it it was it was there was some fun bits in it. I like the bit where Sting was trying to give Satam Sing the the Scorpion death drop and couldn't. So Darby did the coffin drop to assist it. That was, that was cool. It was, it was what it was. It was a, you know, it wasn't going to set the world on fire. It's not going to get five stars from Meltzer. It was odd. Like I say, you don't expect to see sting wrestling these days, let alone Jeff Jarrett and the bin in the same match on an AW pay-per-view, but we got it. Um, yeah, it was what it was.
0: It definitely was. Um, yeah, some things to look out for in this one. Uh, Jay Lethal takes an apron bump. Uh, we always put them out, but it was Christ. a really vicious one because it was from the top yeah. rope, and he only kind of half caught the apron. That was yeah, nasty. Yeah, that was horrible. As you as as you said, um, Darby grabbed the ladder, set that up, did a coffin drop um, off the stage. That's the one where Satnam Singh caught him. Yep. That's the second cool thing Satnam Singh's done <laughs> in a month. and I'm a bit worried. <laughs> yeah, it's like nothing for the first six months. Yeah. What's the other one? Was it Orange Cassidy just bounced off him? It yeah, that's small right. Small just bounced. Yeah, off yeah, him. it was. That was yeah. great.
1: He didn't even move. He he just kind of rocked back a bit. But... I like I like he's got something about him as well with Saturn Singh. Normally you see these sort of big wrestlers. They're told act stoic, don't show any emotion, just look like you know, look like a killer and don't do anything. But he he shows a bit of charisma and. He's, he's not like that. Yeah, he's, he's massive, but he shows a bit of personality. I don't think he's ever going to be my favourite wrestler or anything like that, but I, I like that he's got a little bit more about him than some of these big guy wrestlers do.
0: Yeah, the um the spinning razor's edge he gives to mm. Darby onto the ramp yeah, was yeah, really, yeah. really nasty. Yeah. Didn't look very safe, to be honest. So no, yeah. this is why the guy's probably not having matches. But the way... <laughs> The way he caught a completely deadweight cough and drop. Yeah. Uh, Darby Allin, and we didn't see Satnam until he caught him. Yeah. It was really well shot. Um, probably the highlight of a match that didn't have many highlights. Yeah. Uh, as you said, Sting diving off things, landing on his head. <laughs> the match, eventually it all gets into the ring and it kind of breaks out into a wrestling match. Uh, Jay Lethal just looks great all the way through. He always does, really. Yeah. He is sort of the glue for this match, Is old Jay he Lethal. Is. Um, the coffin drop onto guitar, that should have been a cool, huge spot. It yeah. shouldn't have been the end of a match, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. Um, with, with how they've sold Jarrett's guitar over the years mm-hmm. and just, you know, it, it's full on into the back of someone falling up a, a ring. No, no. He it, it falls flat into the ring. It's completely no soul. And about 15 seconds later, the audience, the crowd, has completely forgotten it. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um,
0: so, not a great match, but the run into the finish was quite cool. We had a. Um, scorpion Death Drop on Satnam Singh, but Sting can't quite get it done. Yeah. The coffin Drop from Darby helps seal the deal. That was a very cool little combo. Darby then spikes himself out of the ring with a toe Jeff Jarrett. Uh, the Lethal Ejection is attempted, but blocked with a bit of a sloppy Scorpion Death Drop, but he gets it. That's yeah. the important thing. And then Darby finishes Jay Lethal off with the Coffin Drop. Uh, like I say, didn't like this match much at all. Bit of a palate cleanser, because we kind of had the first half of the show We've had a big middle section of the show. This is the Palette Cleanser. We're going into the last three matches of the show. I can't believe there's still three matches. <laughs> uh, Darby and Sting win this one for the finish. And are you ready, Pete? Are you ready for... I'm going to call it a triple main event.
1: Yeah, it is three big, big matches.
0: It's really good. So, like... I didn't. I didn't love all the matches leading up to this, but mm-hmm. we have the winners' championship. It is the interim champion, Tony Storm. In my eyes, she's just a champion yeah. versus Jamie Hater. Mm-hmm. I think they just need to scrap the interim and just say, like, you don't defend the belt with a month,
1: even if you're injured. I think the interim's fine if if you've got an idea of when the person's going to come back and if it isn't too long, fair enough. But yeah, if yeah. someone's going to be out for good few months then yeah like do it it's just no point because it it kind of undervalues the the people that are going out and wrestling and are wrestling for the titles or are the champion just having that interim it just makes it it cheapens it um and it's a shame because you know these people are going out there and working so hard to make these matches be good You you know they deserve to be the champion not just an interim one.
0: It's one thing for Tony Storm to be the interim champion for a few weeks, like you say, and then she either beats the person or she doesn't. But Jamie Hater here, big spoiler for the end of the match, Jamie Hater wins the championship on this match, and she is not the interim champion. Jamie Hater mm. is the women's champion. So we've got a bit up ahead of ourselves there, before we go into the match fully, Pete how many women's wrestlers now have used Harley Quinn colors on their costumes?
1: I think it's uh, we're down to all of them now. Yeah,
0: it's it's so annoying.
1: It's so annoying.
0: <laughs> just another reason to love the real Paige. Jamie Hater <laughs> coming out to ringside. She looks top dollar in this match. She looks like a champion.
1: Yeah, I mean we've said before we've we've seen Jamie Hater in some of the early Dynamites, and we've we've mentioned how you know it's night and day. Her presentation from then to now is just completely different but yeah she's got all new gear her hair's different you know Her makeup's different she just she looks like she's going into the biggest match of her life um and she is um you know this is this is a huge match these two are no strangers to each other that's been part of the story that they were friends they did live with each other um they've they've wrestled each other in stardom um this match is a very stardom style match the way it's laid out um but yeah, it it's great. I mean, you mentioned that the Harley Quinn thing with Tony Storm, like she's one of the first people that I think ever really did it um, and is still doing it. But yeah, so many people have done it now. You know, Tony Storm's got, had a very sort of different look when she sort of developed the, the persona she's got now and she sort of stuck with it. So I'd like to see her maybe change it up a bit now because so many people do look like Tony Storm now. Yeah, she was the first, but when there's so many of them doing it now, um, she could do with freshening her look up a bit just to stand out again.
0: And she's not actually been in the company that long. No, no. And um, she's already started to. The crowd are sort of already starting to turn against her in this match. Um, it's it's quite a weird one. But pound for pound, probably the best wrestling on the show in the first five minutes of this match. Like, yeah, yeah good, good wrestling. Good catches, catch can style. Good rope breaks, flinging people off. Mm-hmm. Just good, good wrestling. Um, it did unfortunately, very short order, they did come out of the ring. Uh, I think they thought there was an advert break or something because it, <laughs> it was such an, a TV advert break spot where yeah. they went to out to ringside and start furniture against the barriers. But mm. that didn't last too long. What I loved is there was a bit in this match where quite early on, Jamie Hayter goes for a short arm clothesline mm-hmm. and Tony Storm has it scouted and moves out of the way and they let it breathe. Yes, And that the crowd, the crowd like, oh, oh, oh. yeah, it, it, meant something and like in in a stacked show where we've already had seven matches with people doing like you've had the Black Arrow from Park, you've mm-hmm. had the Young Bucks doing their several super kick nip up spots into tombs triple tombstone old drivers. You've had all that in the show. Um and like we said, the coffin drop into a guitar, which the crowd barely reacted to. In this Jamie Hayter misses a clothesline and it matters more, arguably, yeah. than a lot of those spots. I yeah.
1: love it. Definitely. I mean, that's, like I said, that's a very Japanese wrestling thing to do. I mean, both these ladies made their names and who they are and developed their styles in Japan. Um, this is a, a very Japanese thing. Start slow. Go for some of your big moves early that don't quite hit. But yeah, give them time to breathe. Just give the match time to develop. You don't have to be hitting everything super quick to start with. And, you know, And it builds and it builds. And by the end of this match, like a lot of big Japanese matches go everything's quick there's big moves being kicked out of big chances being taken and it, it was laid out really well and um, you could tell that these two two people know each other so well um not just as sort of opponents as friends and it was it was yeah it was great it's such a good match
0: it's a proper wrestling match because even if you yeah. haven't seen these two people before mm-hmm. you know who the two characters are yeah and in the first five minutes they get over both uh, Jamie hates hey, clothesline meaning something, mm-hmm. and the charging hip attack, as yep. they call it, which is when Tony Storm runs into people with her bum. Yes, um, doesn't seem to be a way to pull that. I've noticed the way she charges yeah. in when yeah. people are in the turnbuckle, <laughs> like you—you you are just taking Tony Storm's charging ass to your face which, you know, a lot of people would pay for. Yeah, that's not a bad day at
1: work, is it, really?
0: (laughs) No, it's not the worst. Mm. There was a headbutt collapse at one point in the match where, out of pure desperation, Tony Storm gets the headbutt, and they both collapse, and she collapses onto Jamie Hayter, and and just for a second, my heart sunk, and I thought, (laughs) that's the finish. Yeah. And it just would have been, it would have been the pissest finish to the match. I'm so glad they didn't.
1: Especially during that, that end sequence where they were sort of exchanging big moves, a lot of kick outs. I was so worried they were gonna fall into that AW trap of, we won't give it to Jamie this time, but then next time she'll get it. That they do that so much. I was like, Oh, don't like Jamie should just win it at this one. Don't delay it for another match like you've been known to do, like they did with the acclaimed. Like, everything's yeah. set up for you here. Just Give her the win. And thankfully yeah, they they've made the right choice.
0: Absolutely. It is so reminiscent of the acclaimed mm-hmm. Swerve and our glory match where they should have they should have just, you know, called into the referee and said, Fuck it. Yeah. Put on the acclaimed. Um I don't think that's what's happened here because I do think Jamie Hayter has earned this and I mm-hmm. think it has been coming for a long time. Yeah. But my god, do they keep you guessing all the way through the finish? Yeah, they do. Rebel comes out and interferes at one point. I really thought Rebel was gonna cost Jamie Hater the match. Because yeah. that would be a good way of keeping the belt on Tony Storm until the interim dispute can be settled, and then you would finally set up Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter for a feud. You don't need a belt for that. Mm-hmm. You could you could just do that as a feud, but um, Rebel comes out, interferes in the match, doesn't make enough of a difference for a finish, and the referee sends her out, get get gone. crowd mm-hmm. loves that. Yeah because we kind of do want to see Jamie Hayter do this on her own. We definitely don't want to see Jamie Hayter get screwed over. Mm. Uh, Tony gets clocked with the belt, takes two huge moves from Hater, yeah. is busted open, mm-hmm. and she still kicks out. And it's another hard way bust, our yep. second hard way, our third colour of mm-hmm. the evening. It. Um, is it a broken nose? We'll find out in the next few days. <laughs> yeah. uh, but she kicks out. She's the superwoman in this match. Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably to the detriment of the match at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah. There there are a lot of things that she kicked out of that you're like, oh, maybe should she have? It wouldn't have hurt her if she hadn't. Um, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. There's several near falls and this. Britt Baker, uh, not Britt Baker. She does come out, but not yet. <laughs> Lots of foot stomping and and Jamie Hayter steals the Storm Zero move and still Tony Storm kicks out at which point the crowd start booing. Like I said, they have, to the detriment of the match, they've slightly overbooked the finish. Yeah, I
1: think the crowd are thinking that same thing, that are oh, they're going to postpone the win, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, you get a fucking Storm's zero from Tony Storm, but I guess you could say it's out of desperation. There is a near fall, and I really thought, again, I thought that's when Jamie Hayden was going getting beaten. Uh, Britt runs out, gives a distraction, there's another kick out. The crowd are really, really hot for for Hater. Uh, Hater gets fired into Britt at one point into the turnbuckle, and it mm-hmm. looks like whatever Britt Baker has been going for is been foiled. Yeah, it really looks like the power balance of power has gone to Tony. But actually, as Britt Baker falls back, she takes the top turnbuckle with mm-hmm. leaving the turnbuckle ring exposed. We get the big turnbuckle spot and the lariat. Tony Storm gets pinned by Jamie Hayter for the win. I believe the lariat is called Haterade.
1: It is, yes.
0: It wasn't the cleanest finish because there was that assistance from Britt and there was the question mark over the exposed turnbuckle. You have to wonder, had the exposed turnbuckle not been in play, what would it be in Tony Storm? Because she was kicking out of everything else. Well, that's it, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nuts. (laughs) Uh, But no turn from Britt. Britt Baker comes to the ring and celebrates Jamie Hayter's win. Jamie Hayter, interim champion. In my eyes, winning champion. What a match!
1: Yeah, really good match. Yeah, 15 minutes, 16 seconds, and didn't didn't feel it. It was a it was a good one.
0: Strongest match of the night so far. The next match is Mox versus MGF. No, it's not. Not yet. <laughs> there's, there's still another match to go. But it's okay. It's okay. Because listen, yo, know, <laughs> the acclaimed versus strictly tag team, Swerving Our Glory. <laughs> Uh, don't expect to see FTR on the show for some reason. Yeah, yeah. But so. Let's focus on the good stuff. Yeah. That uh, the intro, the rap from Caster is mm-hmm. so good.
1: Yeah, he's great. And then,
0: and and then he does another one. Yeah, in fact he's he got a second verse. Yeah. <laughs> you basically get a double rap from Castor. It's fantastic. The crowd loves that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant storytelling in this match, where um, obviously we've seen not Max Caster, Anthony Bowens coming out quite taped up over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, he got severely beaten up, didn't he, on um, on Dynamite. He had a match with Swerve where that, sort of, the, the injury developed.
0: Yeah, he's got that tape all over both shoulders. The, the way they kind of sold the match at the beginning, they almost kind of made a mark out of me because the way the commentators sold it, it did kind of make it seem like it was a lot more real world than yes. it actually was. yep yeah. I thought, shit, Bowens is actually going into this injured. Yeah. yeah. Are they going to screw him?
1: But Bowens sold it so well as well. Like, there's some, especially a point towards the end of the match, the finish, he's, he kind of he got it up, then he, then he went down. It's like he hasn't got the strength to do it. And it's little things like that. Oh, yeah. It's just, it adds so much. I, yeah. I was really impressed with him in this one.
0: I that gave it away. It was a hammerlock slam from uh, Keith Lee on him, and I thought, well, that's a really stupid move to do. Yeah. If, if Owens is favoring an arm and you're yeah, trying yeah. to get through the match, that's a really stupid move to do. But then he like straight up lifted him up by yeah. the arm. Yes. Like held him in the air for a few seconds. Like, well, it's definitely a work. because yeah, you just yeah, yeah. you he wouldn't do, do that if Bowens was a Um Yeah. Which, which is good because I guess that did help me relax into the match and just mm-hmm. appreciate good storytelling. What it was. Yeah. The, the crossbody from the top rope onto the apron, knocking Keith Lee and Max Caster through the guardrail that had been propped up against yeah, the ring. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, that was vicious. Yes. Um, but what the really weird thing is, is there's a huge pop for that, mm-hmm. as it had been for several moves in in the match. But within 15 seconds of that huge spot through a guardrail, the crowd were dead. Yeah, they yeah. They just completely flattened out. It's like, what's next? What's next? What's yeah. next? Yeah, and that's that's the thing that really has started to bug me about an AEW crowd because mm-hmm. you you don't get that even a um, ECW with the reputation ECW had the crowd was smart and they would pop that kind of stuff but they'd yeah. also be into every other type of yeah match, they're not just waiting for the next big pop yes they do get the crowd back into the match though um, I love this match so
1: much yeah it's good to see Swerve finding his feet because he he was a big sign in for WWE um a couple of years back and like he had a real buzz on the indies and when WWE signed him I was like, Yeah, of course they've signed him. He's he's great. It, he'll be a huge star for him. He's so charismatic, got so much going for him. And they just yeah, they wasted him and then he got released. And then when he came into AW he was like the the generic face. And he was fine in the ring. He was doing good stuff. But yeah, this this sort of heel turn for him is just been the best thing he could have done. He's been brilliant ever since he sort of turned here. I've been such a big fan of him.
0: There's Two stories going on throughout this match. There's mm-hmm. obviously the story of Bowen's shoulder as yeah. we've discussed, but similar to the Death Triangle match we discussed earlier, we have had this thing for a few weeks where Swierf Strickland is showing his more evil side, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get Keith Lee to kind of turn to the dark side with him. Let's just get the win at any cost. Keith yeah. Lee's like no, I won't do that. And there are points in this match where it really looks like Swerve and our glory could win. Yeah. But then Swerve starts taking the shortcuts. um, And Swerve goes out of the ring, gets the Mm Flyers, and he's threatening to go after Bowens with them. But Billy Gunn runs in, huge pop, nearly the biggest pop tonight for for Billy Gunn. (laughs) Swerve tries to get Keith Lee to use the Flyers. Yes. And at that point, it's been foreshadowed for a few weeks. The tag team breaks down. Keith mm-hmm. Lee just walks out. So we have a very brief handicap match where Acclaimed get the win. As you pointed out, Anthony Boas does a great job of still selling the shoulder once they get the, the finishing move. What I really like about this match, not only did the Acclaimed keep the belt and win the match, but that is queued over. This is a third act It's a trilogy match, as they like to call it, because
1: they do like some of the matches,
0: but it's Mm -hmm. it's a third act with a finish. It's done. Close this feud down. It's done.
1: A couple of bits I really liked in it. When um, you had the the face-off between Keith Lee and Swerve, when Swerve slaps Lee, the the crowd reaction to that was like, Oh, you (laughs) idiot. Why why would you do that? Um, And, you know, has Billy Gunn ever been more over? than he is right now
0: no no it's good do you know what i want i want billy gunn versus jeff jarrett in uh, versus sting in the 180 year old triple threat match
1: oh see i think you're going to say billy gunn versus jeff jarrett with road dog on a pole
0: oh that'll do <laughs> that'll do but i think they'll have to get um what's his face back to book that one what was his name WWE, jumped to WCW, magazine writer. Vince Russo. Yeah, they'll have to get Russo back. For that <laughs> yeah, to happen, of course, I yeah. But now this match is done. Mm-hmm. The acclaimed are still tag teams. They're now free to basically feud with pretty much anyone. FTR. <laughs> Heath and Swerve Strickland, they are free to feud with each yep. other, as I'm yep. sure they will for at least the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. I, it's just so nice to see a feud finished and be done. Yep. I don't want to see... Um, strictly coming anywhere near the acclaimed now yeah that well done. They're,
1: they're, they're done as a team now aren't they so that's that's all good
0: yeah it's done but what i would like to see though a few years down the line swerve versus bowens in a one-on-one feud mm. i reckon that's a good kind of your mid card intercontinental belt kind of feud. Yeah. i reckon they could i reckon they could do a blind of them too because yeah, the, the points they were against each other in the match were bang on, really strong. What a great yeah, match. Yeah, yeah really good. And it's so nicely claimed as tag team champions, which is hard considering how much we all kind of want FTR to have quadruple yes.
1: gold. But yeah, they've done a great job. And
0: they got themselves over. No one else did it for them.
1: Well, exactly. These These were two guys that hadn't worked together when they came in. They were thrown together as a tag team on Dark. And they've developed this from ground up. This is all, all them, and it, you know it's one of AEW's greatest successes. You know they've they've got a lot of great wrestlers and great teams, but a lot of these people have come from elsewhere and developed their their gimmicks and their looks and everything on the way up. Whereas this is this is AEW from day one, so it's a real success story. And if we can get a few more of these, then yeah, we're in for good times.
0: And they've got merch. They have. That's <laughs> what it's all about. It's all <laughs> about selling the swag. So we finally have got to the 10th match of the evening, the main event, the 13th match of the card overall. My God. Yeah. It is almost <laughs> 10, it is exactly 10 years and a day since the Shield debut. Wow.
1: Nice stats.
0: And Moxley versus MJF. Two years after their match, All Out 2020, where they were both unbeaten, mm-hmm. headlining the pay-per-view, that was the first loss for MJF in the company. So there is pedigree with these guys. We have got that to come. And of course, three years on from Full Gear 2019, which we reviewed last week, which was the the true face of MJF revealed. Everyone knew he was healed, but he mm-hmm. turned on Cody. Yep. Yeah. The greatest trick. The devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. That's it. Usual suspects nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> One of my favourite films, so I shouldn't get that quote wrong. The story of this match for me though, it isn't so much will Moxley eat MJF or will MJF walk out as the champion as a lot of people predict he will. Uh-huh. The question for me going into this match is
1: will Regal turn? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I've I've spoken to a couple of people earlier this week, and they're like, "Oh, what do you think will happen in the the title match?" I was like, "Regal's turning." There's because they they've built it so much how much Regal hates MJF. He did a whole podcast episode on it. They've done all the stuff on TV. It's like Regal can't wrestle, so it's not building to a match between them. The only other way it can go is they're in cahoots together. That's that's the only. Plausible outcome from it that would that would work.
0: It's going to be interesting. So the match starts, and MJF has so much fun coming out, pretending to be a good guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, the crowd are hot for him. Obviously, it's his hometown. He, mm. he comes out once, doesn't get the reaction he wants. Goes back <laughs> out, runs back out. The crowd are loving that. He's playing to the crowd. There's some woman at ringside. <laughs> he asks for <to> consent. <laughs> yeah. the <remote> folks are. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Everything he's doing, his body language, the way he leans into the fans and smirks at the camera, he is playing a face. He is yes. not a good guy. No, no, he's completely. pretending to be a face, and it's brilliant to watch. I really enjoyed seeing him just ramping it up. Yeah, Mox comes out. Regal walks into the to the curtain, but he doesn't come to ringside, and mm-hmm. he's not on commentary. Yeah. That that was, to that's me, an interesting a big clue. thing. Yeah, definitely. Regal not on commentary. Yeah. So, why would you want him not on commentary? Well, because if you have him on commentary, when he leaves commentary,
2: yeah, you obvious. have to acknowledge it. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, something's coming. Something's mm-hmm. coming. MJF has, after all, told us several times he is a snake, he is the parody mm-hmm. of a good guy. Yes. He does this old spot, which we saw him do three years ago, where he runs the ropes pretending he's going to do a <laughs> dive and then yeah. doesn't. Yeah, uh, Three years a spot. I love that one. I've done that in matches before and it mm-hmm. always kills. It's yeah. definitely an indie spot move. So I love seeing that on a, on a big show, <laughs> pretty in the main event. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's great. So what did you think of this match? Considering it's arguably a fairly bloated and potentially overbooked undercard, what did you think of this as a main event?
1: It's a very southern main event style match it's it's not full of high spots it's not gonna be because of who's in it. it's not even a great story being told but it's just I don't know it, it, like I say' it's, it's got that very southern style to it and I don't know why because neither of these guys are from that sort of era or even seem or wrestle that style but it was it was very slow. It never really got going to a, a fast pace or anything, but it still worked for me. It was it was it was building to the finish. I mean, it I, I think that's kind of why they didn't do anything out of the ordinary, because they wanted that turn at the end to be what people remember from it. And I think that was always going to be the case because it was such a big thing. But yeah, the match leading up to that, it wasn't anything special. It was kind of like an Attitude Era main event, and which weren't necessarily the best wrestle matches on your show. They, they never really were. They, a few here and there. But yeah, on the whole, they were more... The, the belt is the thing. It doesn't have to be a technically great match or a, an amazing match. So it wasn't the best match on the show by any means, but you know, the end creates... New stories. The right person went over again. They didn't push it back like they're known to do. Um, so yeah, the, the end is 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 enough for me. It wasn't a brilliant match, but I like the end.
0: The, I love the match because it is just so old school. Yeah, and that's what it is. You, you've already you've had everything else already. Mm-hmm. There is nothing they could do in this match that could top the other nine matches. No. but they didn't have to because this match was over. Mm-hmm. The people in it were over. Yeah. I love it. It's such an old school wrestling feud where they they built it up to the point that you basically don't have to do anything and yeah. you're working the crowd. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's what I look for in wrestling.
1: right?
0: Is it is that point where it, all that crowd, they're a very intelligent crowd. They read all the dirt sheets. They know mm. everyone's on a guaranteed contract. They know who rides with who in real life, who's been friends with who going back when. We know all that shit. You can't pretend Payfades a thing, yeah. But when a match is this over, we all willingly believe the suspension mm-hmm. of disbelief. It is hit it is hypnotism on a mass level, yeah. And you, you, you like you said, they didn't do much in the match. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to. They've worked the crowd, and I absolutely loved it. So different to everything we've seen before with yeah It's different to his Wardlow. Wardlow feud it's very different to his Punk feud which was fantastic Mm -hmm. but at the same time you can really tell how much MJF has learned from that feud with Punk
1: oh yeah and I I really like Mox in it that he didn't stay like Mox is a face but in this match he was getting booed and he didn't go I'm still going to play face no he was flipping off the crowd and swearing and I like that he just went nah sod it If, if they want me to be the bad guy I'll be the bad guy I, I like that he, he sort of does that it. when he's well, he does. He sort but, of does yeah. that when he's a good guy, anyway. So, with, yeah, yeah, with yeah.
0: Mox, you can he is going for that kind of Austin mm. wiener super over, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like he is non affiliated. Like, you've got the two entrances in WWE in AEW, he mm-hmm. doesn't use either of them, yes, true. And yeah. that that is a really good note for his character mm. because you shouldn't ever have his character telling you what he is, yeah. <laughs> He just is Moxley, and he's, he doesn't come out of this looking bad at all. Mm-hmm. So let's jump towards the finish. There are a lot of spots in the matches where when they did do something a bit more heated, it was kind of almost instantly given back to the other guy. So mm-hmm. Moxley had to take an apron pile driver. Yeah. So he t- returns that to MJF with a pile driver through a table. They were the two big moves yes. of the, the match, and that's all you needed. Because that was enough to kind of sell how sell however it all was. So the, the diamond ring shows up. MJF, mm-hmm. he's getting a bit desperate. Late in the match, he takes the diamond ring out of his pocket. No sooner does the diamond ring show up, than Regal shows up. And yes. he demands that MJF puts the ring away. Not mm-hmm. the whole ring as punishment. That would be a really confusing end to the match. But just the diamond ring back in your pocket.
1: Is Regal MJF's Captain Planet? So the diamond ring... But like He brings it out and then Regal appears.
0: Who knows? It could well be. Yeah. It could well be. There's a big schmoz and it ends with two referees down.
1: Mm.
0: Moxley has MJF in his submission. MJF is tapping like crazy, but the rest don't see it. So that's great. Moxley doesn't lose any face. Moxley yep. had this match won if everything was equal. Regal slips the knuckle-dusters to MJF. Well,
1: yeah, but he 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 distracts Mox by going Mox, go to the ref, get the ref up. So Mox is over there. I, I like how they did that. They gave Mox a reason to take his eye off the ball. That was cleverly done.
0: Yeah, that, that is fair point. That is worth mentioning. The the knuckle dusters get slipped to MJF. Moxley does the job. MJF is a heel overall. Oh no, but not only is he a heel, he is the motherfucking world champion. Yes. That's just 26 years of age. Yeah, For nuts. comparison, Locke was 26 when he first won the belt. Mm-hmm. Not, Locke not, was 25, although he looked about mid-30s. <laughs> he always did. I swear that yeah. boy was born 18. And Randy <laughs> Orton was 24 when he won the belt. So he's in some fine pedigree of champions yeah, yeah. uh, older. Uh, his old MJF. Yeah,
1: I think they mentioned MJF six years in to his career as well, which is... Crazy, mad, isn't it? And he's that good in six years.
0: Sometimes you see people and they kind of get a belt within six years, and then you kind of feel like, well, what what are they going to do with them after that? And yeah, I, wanted, yeah, yeah. I would kind of say like Randy Orton is textbook on that. Mm-hmm. Because for me, Randy Orton's this guy that he's always main event because they tell us he's main event. Yes, but he's never felt main event to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he could have been had mm-hmm. they pushed it so soon. Yeah. But when when you put the belt on MJF. That's just the beginning.
1: Yeah, you know, he's he's going to develop into something completely different a few years down the line. He's not going to be the MJF we have now. It'll be something different, but it'll be equally as good, if not better, than what he's doing right now.
0: I would have liked a bit more Regal mm-hmm. at the end, Yeah, but I get that you want the spotlight to be on MJF.
1: Yeah, I like the look they gave each other. They they sold that well. Um, and it, it gives you the reason to tune into Dynamite, doesn't it, to hear more and see more of that Uh,
0: not that anyone's interested but it's not quite how i would have booked the finish the way i would have booked it it would have been almost identical but i would have had regal um say give me the ring give me the ring Mm -hmm. and mjf gives him the ring and and regal puts it in his pocket so that is off the table there is no way possibly that that mjf can use the ring because he doesn't have it anymore and then i would just straight up have had um, Regal get up on the ring side and then just quatted mm-hmm. Mox with the ring himself. Right. It just made it cleaner. Uh, but I kind of prefer the way they did it.
1: Yeah, I like I like it. With the Knuckle Dusters, it was kind of Regal passing the torch, his torch being a pair of Knuckle Dusters. Um I I, I liked it.
0: It's been part of that feud since the yes, very first programme. It has, yeah. So it, it paid off. Um mm-hmm. yeah, really good. Strong, strong. So, MJF, as our world champion, um, what was your favourite match of the night?
1: Um, (laughs) Predictable, isn't it? But it was uh, Death Triangle versus the Elite. Uh, The obvious one for me. um, Seeing the Elite back, I was over the moon. Um, Yeah, all those six guys in there. If you put those in, any combination of matches, I'm going to have a good time. So, yeah, predictable, but that's the one for me.
0: Brilliant. And for me, it was the Acclaimed versus World Our Glory. I thought for having two continual stories kind of riding off each other at that um they landed both stories perfectly well Bowen's did a great job selling max castor was just so entertaining all the way through really gone like i just loved the whole thing but uh, honestly i could have just as easily said jamie hater yeah going over on tony storm um if if they hadn't quite overbooked tony storm Mm -hmm. i think i probably would have gone for that but she kicked out of stuff yeah. And I remember as I was watching it, I said to I said to my missus, like when Moxley got hit with the knuckle dusters, I said, Well he's got to kick out of that because <laughs> of everything Tony Storm kicked out of earlier in the night. Yeah, yeah, Tony Storm could have kicked out of a, a single knuckle duster <laughs> shot on Tony Storm, he have kicked out of that seven times. <laughs> yeah. So that that was the only thing that kind of took away from, from that women's match being my favourite match of the That's evening. Fair. yeah. MVP of the night?
1: Uh for me it was Swerve, just because he looked great in a match. Everything he did was on point and it you know they finally got to that endpoint with his character. He's like full on bad guy now. He's not trying to be mates with Keith Lee. It's it's going ahead to a new thing. I am just so into Strickland at the moment. Everything he's been doing the past few weeks has been on point for me. And yeah, this is like the he's cemented himself in that role now. So yeah, I'm going with Swerve.
0: Nice. I'm going with MJF. Mm-hmm. He's the future of the company. He's a world champion. At the end of a ch- uh, of a like a very turbulent time for the company, like yes. Mox's championship is always going to have a kind of a question mark and asterisks above it because CM Punk got suspended in the way he did. Yeah, sure, he won a tournament and beat everyone for it. It wasn't an interim, mm-hmm. but Mox, as good a fighting champion as he was, and he was a great fighting champion. He did so many defenses during mm-hmm. his run. Uh, MJF is going to take us into a new place, which is completely. Removed from the last year of awkwardness. Yeah. Uh, twenty twenty-three is going to be, I think, the year of MJF, and I'm going to I'm going to be there for all of it. Um, the other thing it did though is MJF shows that while CM Punk may not be needed, mm-hmm. and it is all elite wrestling, it is not all punk wrestling. CM Punk is right. Sometimes less is more, and I think MJF is really going to prove that. Mm-hmm. Yeah that's fair so overall show summary um i think we had two average shows in one or maybe if you could remove three of the matches we could have had a really brilliant strong pay-per-view yeah it was
1: way too long three hours 45 minutes and then you've got the the hour of the pre-show it's it's too much and i i understand that AEW don't do monthly pay-per-views they only do them every quarter but still it's it's too much I mean I, I love watching wrestling more than I love a lot of things, but yeah, four hour shows, it's it's hard. It is hard. And there there were matches on this show that as good as they were and as well worked as they were, they wouldn't have been missed. Um I I would rather have a more focused show than a, a bloated show.
0: Yeah, a double length rampage could have had mm. some of the blow-off matches. Yeah. And, and then this could have just been a really strong pay-per-view, but as it was, just a bit long and In the words of Jerry Seinfeld, when we say wrong, we mean bad. That's a shame. (laughs) Because it was such a good show. Yeah. And you should be like, oh, I could go more. But it's, it's, I'm not going to blame AEW for that. That is a problem wrestling is having at the minute. This, I mean, I've just given up on WrestleMania completely. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's the thing. We've had WrestleMania the past few years has been two nights. Wrestle Kingdom the past few years has been two nights. And it, it, stops it being as special you you don't want it i mean i'm glad next year wrestle kingdom in january that it's one night again um and i'd I'd much rather that just give me one night of really great matches because when you do these two night shows it's not like you've got two nights of bangers either there's they, they they go oh we we've got our normal card we need to pad these out now with just random stuff so you don't have to just do a just give me a good good show um, I mean, it's worth mentioning as well. Uh, as I mentioned, Wrestle Kingdom, um, we've got an AW guy going over to Japan to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom. It's Kenny Omega versus Will Osprey for the uh, US title at Wrestle Kingdom. So that Ooh. is going to be very, very good. I'm excited for that. But when is that? That will be January the fourth. January the fourth every year. Star Wars Day. Yes.
0: That's the day Star Wars came out in England in 1978. It's also the same day Battlestar Galactica debuted. Fucking hell, I'm a nerd. That's that's why they do it. Yeah, Yeah, obviously. So (laughs) that was was Full Gear 2022. If you liked the change to our format, looking at a more modern pay-per-view, rather than going back in time on the rewatch, please let us know, comment, give us uh, your thoughts and honest feedback. We will be back next week with Dynamite Week 7, normal format resuming. Mm. Uh, If they want to follow us on social media, where can they find you, Pete?
1: Um, You can find me on Twitter for now, at pittoir on there. Um, Obviously, Twitter's going to explode any day now, so... Who knows what's going on with that. Um, You can also find me on Instagram, at Pitois, or my art is uh, there, at Pitois. You can also find a page for the podcast on Facebook. Just look for WV Wrestling Podcast and follow our page on there.
0: You can follow me on Twitter, at Sid. I have changed my name. I am no longer CZ Hazard on there, because let's face it, I don't really promote my books all that much. Um, but I am trying to uniform my dire brave Sid across multiple platforms, including Reddit and Mastodon, and I don't know. I've got an Instagram. I just don't post on it. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at AEW. Um, so please give us a follow, a like, a subscribe, an upvote. The best thing you can do to help us grow is give us a share on social media and help other wrestling fans find our show. Thank you, everyone. We will see you in a week.